Hello, my name is David Ripito, and I'm the Vice President of Product Development at Catavolt. Now introducing the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy podcast. I am your host, it's Paul Kemp, and I do say that I go around the world and find the best entrepreneurs for your benefit, and this today is absolutely true because we have uh, an entrepreneur uh, who's got a fascinating story, and he is uh, based in India, which is really, um, I've spent a lot of time in India, and uh, it's one of my favorite countries in the world, and uh, he's in Pune. His name is uh, Shriam. Uh, Subramanian, and he is the founder of Shopping Pal, and we're going to talk about his journey. So, Shriam, it's a warm welcome to you on the App Guy podcast. Thanks so much, Paul. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you as well because there really is there's something really going on with technology and in, uh, in India. Uh, it's uh, perhaps you can give us a, just a sense of you as an entrepreneur and what you're trying to do with uh, Shopping Pal. Give us a bit of background. Sure. Um, so I started the company about uh, two and a half years ago, and I used to work for eBay at the time. And in that, in my role as a product manager for eBay, I got a chance to spend with a lot of uh, brick and mortar retailers. And I got the sense that uh, a lot of them are struggling, not just with technology, but also falling for traffic and sales. And a lot of that had to do with the rise of e-commerce. And so I came to the conclusion, and this was after a lot of these conversations with potential customers, that there's a huge gap that needs to be filled, and it's global, right? It was not just the U.S., but U.K., India, everywhere. There's this uh, dire need to help brick-and-mortar stores, and that was uh, what really led me to the idea of uh, forming the company, Shopping Pal. And actually, the, the way that this happened was one fine day um, at my job, I came back home and I it was just impulsive. I felt that I need to do this. I uh, came back, told my wife, and next day I was starting Shopping Pal. So it's, since then, it's been uh, a great journey of um, starting in U.S. and then bringing it. Now the business is also operational in India, and I'm happy to share more with the audience. Yeah, I would love to. Now, the biggest inspirational uh, thing that is the the risk that you took in leaving a very established brand like eBay, having to go home and talk to your wife and say, I've got this great idea. I'm going to give up my salary and start a company. Perhaps you could take us back to that moment because so many uh, people that I speak to just can't overcome that That uh, in their life. they you know it's, it's very nice to have a salary and work for an established brand. Take us back to that time and tell us what was going through your mind and, and how you overcome that risk to do your own thing. Yeah, and, and I think, uh, it, see, it's, it's, it was a few years in the making. So I was thinking about uh, doing a startup since my college days. So it was more than 10 years that I was just thinking about doing this. And I think a lot of folks who want to do startups are in the same boat. But there's no perfect time to really start because you're always looking out for that next uh, promotion or great project at work. And uh, at the time, I actually got a chance to do my MBA at uh, Berkeley, and I got exposed to a lot of uh, great speakers, inspirational folks who had done startups themselves. And what I found was really that there was no perfect path or story, right? There's all the media uh, and the uh, reports that you read about the glamorous stories, but the truth 
behind the closed doors is that uh, there's a lot of lows and downs that entrepreneurs go through and the starting story is never perfect either. So I just felt uh, emotionally compelled that evening that I just mentioned in the beginning and I was lucky to have a supportive wife who said, don't worry about anything else. If you feel driven and motivated to do it, just go do it. And so that was really helpful. But I think that would be my sort of my biggest advice is we get stuck in this loop of planning and optimizing. And that's you're never going to be doing a venture if you're always stuck in that loop. So you just have to follow your gut and uh, jump in and say that, hey, I'll give it a try for a few months. But the investment I'm making in my learning and growth is more valuable than anything else. That's wonderful. And in fact, uh, I, I'm compelled to remind the audience that the, the reason I set this podcast up was to get the genuine lowdown on why entrepreneurs you know, change, take risk, uh, leave their respected jobs and careers to pursue a passion project or something that they're compelled to do. And uh, and it's it's great that we overcome this mass media where they glamorize the whole thing and get down to the actual facts, which is it is hard. And, you know, we've we've gonna we've got the potential of letting a lot of people down in our lives. And but we just there's something in our gut, as you say, that, that leads us to do this. So what happened then? How did you go about uh, those first few days of starting shopping pal, I'm assuming you had something, uh, some sort of minimum viable product before you started, or perhaps you can take us back to the early days. Right. And and I think this also brings me to a one useful tip that um, is often ignored in startups is it's super important to have a co-founder, right? And I was lucky to uh, have a guy who I had worked with in a previous startup and who was also fed up with his um, current job and and we clicked. So when I was just telling him about this idea, we really synced up on it and he was ready to quit his job the next day as well. So I was lucky in that he was a technical founder and he was willing to be the CTO of the company. So we were able to get our first prototype out in a matter of weeks and start using that for customer conversations. And as you know and and most of your audience will as well, Paul, is that that's a huge advantage these days is at least for prototypes and MVPs, the investment required is uh, close to zero. So you can go out and really leverage that uh, because when you're having early conversations, customers who are experiencing significant pain or problem don't expect too much from you, except that you're listening to them and you're willing to build something that will really help them. So I think we got good mileage out of that and the learnings from there really fed into uh, what was what became the full company and a, su- a suite of products. Yeah, the other big lesson I'm learning from you there, Shriyam, is that uh, a lot of uh, the episodes before you, ha- the entrepreneurs have talked about their regret at having such a long development cycle and putting a lot of features in, which ultimately got... Uh, put to one side when it was live and you started getting feedback. The the uh, the thing that I'm learning from you is it's, it's the right thing, which is to get a prototype up and running as quickly as possible and then start having conversations with people that will potentially pay you money. <laughs> so uh, right. I'm guessing that you then, that would uh, give you a good cash flow in, injection into the company that would then also reinforce the idea and and help you move forward with development. That's right. 
Um, so what sort of customer feedback did you get and how did, how did you go about, I'm assuming that you had all these connections uh, beforehand in your previous role and you just, um, tell us about how you actually got this feedback and reached out to some of their potential customers. Yes. So I started, like you said, um, I started with uh, several connections I had at work as well as uh, through RMI network at Berkeley and other places. And so it was with uh, chief marketing officers and the like. And we validated the general problem that there was a gap when it came to a mobility platform or any type of m-commerce capabilities in retailers uh, technology infrastructure and uh, but the equally important lesson uh, as i spoke to folks like walmart was in the us at least was that they had decided on building these technologies themselves and typically when they engaged with startups they would uh, have six months to a year engagements, you may or may not get paid. And at the end of it, uh, your company may be in a dire situation. So interestingly, the biggest lesson I got at that time was if we wanted to survive and be viable, we should not start with big retail, that we actually needed to prove ourselves in the small to mid-sized stores and then go big, which is then the strategy that we followed. Um, and then the other serendipitous thing that happened, and this is just amazing how many of these things happen in your startup journey. My CTO started a technology meetup group in Oklahoma City, where he was at the time. And this um, retailer, this IT guy from a 20-store retailer showed up there. And he had looked us up on the web. And he just came in and said, hey, I love what you're doing. And uh, I don't know exactly how it fits into our stuff, but I think it will in about a year. So I can, I want to sign up, right? I want to work with you guys. And so they became our first customers, which was no direct sales. It was just a technology meetup and this head of IT showing up there. So that's, that was the early first few months um, of knowing where not to focus and a few chance encounters like this. That's wonderful, isn't it? When you talk back on these uh, potential meetings and, and I'm reminded of a guest who said your network is your net worth. And uh, uh, that's come to true in your case as well here. And it gave you the uh, courage to focus. Uh, perhaps you could tell us a little bit more about Shopping Pal then. What uh, uh, exactly, uh, how does it benefit? And anyone listening, how can we uh, end up using it? Um, you know, give, us, give, us, you know, give us more in, insight into what it does. Yes. So Shopping Pal, the whole value proposition for a small retailer is that they're usually not tech savvy. They don't have the time to set up uh, an online or mobile storefront and even less for things like social media. So what we do is the, every retailer typically has a point of sale system and some inventory record. So we have developed integrations with these leading uh, inventory and POS systems. And one good example, which is also popular in the UK, is it's called uh, WEND, V-E-N-D. And we integrate through their APIs. So when a retailer who uses the WEND system connects with us, within 20 minutes, they're set up with a mobile storefront, which they can use now to um, send out promotions on any of their digital channels. So when they're doing a Facebook post or an Instagram post about a specific product, now they have a link that they can paste there and they can also now have people buy products and have it delivered within three hours. So we also work with delivery partners to realize same day delivery. 
That's amazing. So you're working with clients who have a, uh, or are doing a three hour delivery window. Yes. And, and that itself is a huge market now globally, right? So if you see all the companies that have popped up uh, across the globe doing logistics and delivery, realizing that that's a problem in itself, um, they make great partners for companies like us. Yeah, I know that we recently had a big uh, viral uh, sensation from Amazon when they were advertising a new service in some cities in the US where it's uh, uh, within a three hour window that when you order something from Amazon, it, it comes to you pretty quickly. So uh, right. uh, well, this is great because you're, you're absolutely reminding me of one of the big themes of this series, the entire 229 episodes is the you've, you've taken a problem, which is this uh, point of sale, uh, so, uh, the software or the um, technology is you know a little bit old and you're using it uh, in a clever way to integrate to uh, link up to mobile solutions and giving uh, giving bricks and mortar retailers the chance to get into mobile. And uh, um, so, where's where's next for shopping bar? Where do you see yourself? Um, I, 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 have you got uh, any idea of what the future holds for you? Yeah, actually, this this is again one of those um, chance meetings and encounters where one of my advisors uh, connected me with uh, a large retailer, one of the largest business conglomerates in India, and they have a very ambitious plan similar to uh, the squares and um, I don't know the equivalent in Europe, but essentially giving out tablets and uh, getting all these small mom and pops online with the digital point of sale. So I got pulled into a consulting project with them, and that's when I got exposed to the Indian market. And when I did that, I realized that the timing is right and there's a lot of untapped opportunity here. So in the last quarter, I started focusing our sales efforts with some of the larger retailers in India and that has gone pretty well. So we are in the process of closing a couple more deals now with uh, some of the leading brands of the country and uh, it will probably translate into a lot more business in India, Asia, and uh, possibly Europe as well, since we'll have key reference accounts here. So I think it was just following the opportunity and realizing that um, there is really an unsolved problem, which is the core of entrepreneurship, right? There's uh, a very deep problem, and the timing has to be right to solve that problem. And I think that is sort of coming together in India now. And that's where we are focusing the most um, as a market. Yeah, I have to say that it's, uh, again, another theme of what we're chatting about is focus. And you've mentioned it quite a few times. And it's something that a lot of the audience, the Appster tribe, lose. You know, they have their initial idea. They're passionate about the problem they're trying to solve. And then somehow, when we get into the solving of that and technology and have all these different options and various things and tools that we can use, we lose track of what we're actually supposed to be solving. And uh, I just love the fact you're reminding us of just follow the opportunity Opportunities uh, that help you solve the problem that you initially were, uh, you know, creating to solve. So, <laughs> right. Uh, well, this is great. What a wonderful journey. So, there's two things we like to do on the show before we say goodbye to you, Shuram. Is that we uh, love to try and flesh out uh, new ideas. Uh, there are a lot of indie app developers listening to this who seek inspiration not only to leave their jobs but to uh, build new stuff. And uh, all the entrepreneurs I tend to have on are very ideas driven. Uh, are you able to share uh, an idea, an idea for an app or an idea for a solution or a, a identify a problem that you perhaps are not looking at but just thought about? If you have, then great. If you 
uh, aren't able to do that, we, we're, we can flesh out that another way. So do you have an app idea or a, a, an idea for a, yes, a, something? Yes, I, I guess I could, uh, based on my uh, challenges these days, I think I can maybe have some um, thoughts related to that. So I've been trying to reach uh, CEOs and CIOs at uh, some of these top companies, and I've used uh, different sources of data to get the right, let's say, emails and phone numbers and ways to reach these guys uh, through events, etc. And I, what I found was there there is some stuff, but it's still largely not high quality. And for the f- fewer options that are good quality, you end up paying a lot per lead. So I think there is an opportunity there in the um, sales prospecting and lead qualification area for someone to um, build out even, it could be a vertical focus solution or not, but just to help startups and even mid-sized enterprises go really talk to the decision makers and be able to follow through and close a deal. It is a crowded space, I, I know that, but... I still haven't found uh, the right set of offerings that uh, helps. Well, that's the first idea that's come out like this. And ironically, it's one of the biggest problems I have in this podcast is uh, I'm constantly reaching out to startup founders like yourself and trying to get interviews for the show. And you're absolutely right that there's not uh, a service out there that seems to be uh, there's there's things like angel.co, uh, obviously LinkedIn, but uh, to less ex- lesser extent, it's it's too big. And then, yeah, there needs to be something out there that's good for lead generation for CTOs or the, the types of people that you want to speak to that could move your business forward. Um, Correct. Wonderful. Well, there's a great idea. So to everyone listening, there you go. Go out and build that. Then uh, Shriram and I would uh, be the, your first customers. For <laughs> <Well>, sure. <laughs> Right, so there's this is the App Guide podcast. Of course, we love talking about apps, and uh, I know that you've probably got a smartphone, maybe even close to you. Uh, would you be able to pick it up for me and have a look at one or two apps that you have on there that you could recommend to us that could be quite interesting, uh, stuff that you use in your business or personal life that you feel that we may not have come across before? I really like LastPass. And I don't know how many of uh, hardly any the audience. Okay, so it's it's a great tool for um, creating complex passwords and um, being able to access them on the go. So, and then this is a common problem that all of us run into, right? You have at least about a, let's say two hundred websites and services that you use, and you really don't want to be repeating passwords. And uh, the second dimension is in a startup like ours, we are also have shared services that need to be accessible by the team. So LastPass is a great uh, service and they have a, a good mobile app for, I pay $12 US dollars a year, which I think is pretty reasonable for that service, where I'm able to uh, have unique complex passwords as well as share that um, with the entire team uh, as needed. So I really love that app. Yes, I think it's a great app. If I wasn't embedded on the app called RoboForm, then I'd be using LastPass. Unfortunately, <laughs> RoboForm got me in 2008 on the web and I've stuck with them ever since. But I do feel like uh, it would be a chore now to move, but I would love to use LastPass. And uh, I think a- anyone who is still using 123456 as their password on all their different accounts needs to really listen to this podcast and, and get LastPass because uh, <laughs> uh, it's uh, amazing. Um, uh, 
would look well you've been such an inspirational guest i have to say and uh what's the best way of reaching out and connecting with you uh, how can we get in touch i am reachable via twitter that's uh three underscore sub s r i underscore s u b or you can also write to me at uh sriram s r i r a m at shopandpal.com and of course i'm on linkedin and all the other usual places Great. Well, Shriram, I have to say thank you so much for joining us. And it was just a wonderful trip down your journey and how you uh, were in a- eBay and, and had that that tough decision to make to leave, you know, the comforts of eBay and set up on your own and look at, look at the, the stuff you're doing now. Uh, so it's been highly rewarding. Hopefully that will inspire someone else listening to this to do the same. And uh, thanks for very much, very much for joining the App Guy podcast. Thanks a lot, Paul. I really enjoyed it as well.